are now listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. I am Alex Shane here with you at Rich Hill on this beautiful victory Wednesday, which is a weird thing to say, A, because it's a Wednesday and not a Monday, and two, the Patriots won a game, which Ooh. is a rarity. Uh, Rich, how you how you reveling in this amazing come-from-behind victory over those vaunted New York Jets? Oh, you know, this was the first time that the Patriots have mounted a double-digit comeback in the fourth quarter since Super Bowl 51 against the Falcons, I believe. So, you know what? This is a really good sign about the Patriots. They came against, uh, what was the Jets' record? They were 8-0? 8-0. 8-0? Right. Oh, oh, uh, oh, and 8. Gotcha. Um, Alec, I'll take a win. I'll take a divisional win, absolutely. Uh, it would have been absolutely demoralizing for the Patriots to lose to the, the 0-8 New York Jets. But also, I kind of feel like it's hard to be too thrilled about needing to have a last-second 50-plus yard field goal to win the game against this Jets team. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those games, man. Obviously, you're rooting for the wins. You're happy for the wins. Uh, again, there's this very small but very avid contingency of Pats fans who are somehow under the delusion that Trevor Lawrence is on the table. He's not. There's no reality in which the Patriots get the number one overall pick organically. If Belichick wants to trade up, that's one thing, but they're just not getting the one seed. This game wouldn't have mattered one way or another if they'd lost. They're not getting the one seed. So yeah. a win's a win. That's great. You want to see the team win. You want to see them building. You want to see the younger guys develop. And again, they're, they're not making the, the playoffs this year. And if they do, they're not going to go very far. So are the young guys developing? And I think there are some real positives we can talk about in terms of the young guys, some of the younger players that had some pretty pretty good game on on Monday night. But as you mentioned, it's against the Jets. Uh, the Jets in 2020 are one of the worst teams, one of the worst rosters of the 21st century. So how much can you really take away from this game one way or another, you know? Yeah, I mean, like, Bill Belichick would absolutely be the first one to say, um, you know what, they are NFL talent. You know, what What was that thing when they were playing against, like, the absolutely terrible pre-Andrew Luck Indianapolis Colts, where he was like, you mean to tell me you, you can't learn anything about the offensive line after they played Dwight Freeney? You mean to tell me they can't learn anything after playing against Robert Mathis? Like, there's still NFL talent players on this Jets team. You just have to know where to find it. <laughs> um, and Alec... I don't know where to find it. I, I, I think that that's probably the more disheartening things is that th there's no real blue chip players on this Jets team. And where I have to look is the fact that the Patriots were generally playing a practice squad team on their defensive front seven. They were just scraping the bottom of the barrel at the receiving group. They suffered injuries on the uh, to Damian Harris on the ground attack. And just all of these just absolute misfortunes and just lower quality players is the reason that I can point to and say, okay, maybe it is still fine that the Patriots had to go to the last second to beat this team. Usually in years past, this would be kind of a classic Patriots game, right? It's Patriots-Jets. The Patriots are good. It's Monday night in New York. They kind of struggle a bit, and they pull out a late win. This kind of formula we've seen before. However, it kind of just feels different this year because, yeah, I mean, there's just really no talent. I mean, I feel like every single skill position, say for quarterback, they're out. They're best player at every single level of the field. 
and or, or they lost their best player throughout the course of the game one way or another and because of that lack of talent it's it's tough to really really gauge but then again I feel like every single team in the league is missing their best player in some capacity because this is just a weird year. And maybe we should start with the defense because I feel like the defense is maybe one of the areas where people are a little upset today thinking about how this secondary, the strength of the team, even without Stephon Gilmore, that matched up, in my opinion, on paper, leaps and bounds better than the Jets receiving core, still managed to get gashed for these deep plays, these classic Joe Flacco right sideline bombs for pass interference and these late touchdowns. Uh, it just seems that there was some scenarios where the Jets' offense were able to move the ball much more efficiently than they probably should have, and it has some people concerned. Are you concerned at all, Rich, or just kind of one of those games? Uh, it's a mix of two things in my mind. Yeah, A, it's definitely one of those games. Like the Jamison Crowder touchdown, you just have to tip your cap because no matter who was lining up on the Patriots' defense, that was an incredible throw and catch. That, that was one that, you know... It was like Eli Manning in the Super Bowl where you're just like, man, fine, you you, you can have that play. So there was definitely elements of that. There were also elements of, uh, come on, man, with the ref, where that Jason McCourty pass interference call right before the half that set them up for that touchdown. Also, just like, that was just a terrible call. There's a lot of just really weird whistles um, with that one being the most glaring. Uh, and then, honestly, it's about complimentary football. Uh, the fact that the Patriots were playing their practice squatters in their defensive front seven, Therese Hall was their starting linebacker, and he was coming off the practice squad. Never a really great sign when that happens. Nick Thurman played half the snaps on that defensive line. Tashawn Bauer played a quarter of those snaps. Uh, it's it's not a great indicator of, okay, the Patriots aren't having Lawrence Guy. They don't have Dwan Bentley, even though he hasn't been stellar this year. And yeah, sure, they didn't have Stephon Gilmore in the top level. But all of those little shufflings of qualities of players just dropping, uh, you know, one player down the depth chart meant that, okay, the Jets would have success doing their stretch runs to the outside because the Patriots just simply didn't have the talent to defend it. And also, you know what, on those passing plays, they just didn't have the talent on their defensive front seven to generate the reliable pressure on Joe Flacco uh, or the quick enough pressure in order to make it easier for the secondary. And that's just how it happens. And hopefully, you know, Lawrence Guy is able to come back. Jawan Bentley is able to come back. And that'll just kind of shore up this defense. Uh, especially because, you know, as you said, Joe Flacco just kind of has some magic against his Patriots team, and hopefully they won't see him again. Seriously. I mean, if I never see Joe Flacco again, it'll be too soon. Yeah, good for him. Uh, some players just kind of have that that edge over the Patriots, and Joe Flacco has it. But uh, you brought up Therese Hall, and I'm glad you did, Rich, because literally up until about 10 minutes before game time, I had no clue who this guy <laughs> was. Uh, I, I, I tried to look him up. There's no Wikipedia page on him. He's like a mystery player. And I was very – I mean, I get calling him up due to lack of depth, but I, I couldn't quite figure out why they decided to start him over their second-round draft pick, who everyone is very high on in Josh Uche. What do you think the logic was there? Is this because Therese Hall has been in the league for an extra year and that somehow magically gives him like more starting experience in an NFL game? Or is it game plan specific? What do you think the, the thought process was? If you had to kind of go inside Bill Belichick's head and say, I'm not going to start our young, talented linebacker, give him some in-game reps, give him a great opportunity to make some strides forward for next year and beyond, I'm going to start this practice squatter and see what he does. 
Yeah, I mean, honestly, it is just about NFL experience, right? And I, I think that the Patriots tried to find ways to uh, alleviate the need for linebackers. You know, Dietrich Wise, John Simon, and Chase Winovich all played between two-thirds and three-fourths of the snaps. So the Patriots tried to really have an edge-heavy defensive front, but someone had to play linebacker. And in Bill Belichick's mind, Therese Hall has more NFL experience than uh, Josh Uche. And, and I think when you look at, you know, Uche has been hurt all year. How much has he been able to practice? How much is he able to run the defense? They had to rely on Hall because, you know what, they're going to be in the center of that defense. And even if he has lesser upside, even if he has lesser ability, maybe for this specific week, while Uche is still learning how to play in the NFL, Hall made more sense. Uh, and, and Hall was fine. He, he, he was not great by any means, but he was solid. He, he uh, you know, had some areas where he could be better with, you know, his closing speed, his, his ability to diagnose where the, the runs and the plays are going. But he was OK. You know, and that's like all you can ask for uh, from a practice squad elevation who played serious snaps for this defense. Um, and so, I mean, if they had to rely on Hall again in the future, I think they would be fine with it. And, you know, kudos to him for taking that opportunity and running with it. But I, I think that it's mostly about Uche just not having that NFL experience and not having that comfortability and fluency in the in the playbook. I think he was fine. Yeah, I think he played probably as well as he could have. He's just not a an elite NFL talent. He's been a practice squad guy his entire career thus far. Um, and when you get the call, you, you play and you do your best. So good for him. I just thought it was a little odd that they're not using this chance to give these guys meaningful reps. I feel like we're all looking for – as you look towards 2021 and beyond, what this young core is going to be able to do. And the more in-game reps they can all get together, the better off they're all going to be. Uh, overall, though, look, I mean, other than the kind of some fluky plays, defense played okay, given the talent level on the field, given the lack of talent on the field. You know, I'm not overly concerned with that. Like as you mentioned, a, a bogus pass interference calling a great throw. Those things happen. There was a touchdown where J.C. Jackson just slipped. Those things happen. Uh, I, I like the fact that there was finally a game where the opposing offense didn't generate 200 yards on the ground, which was <laughs> nice. Um, I do think the stretch runs are still a huge problem, Rich, and I don't know at, at week 10 coming into the season if a team has a solid running back with a good zone blocking scheme. I don't think there's a scenario where this page can game plan around it, and that's going to be a big problem. Oh, absolutely. I mean, especially when, uh, you know, A, we've talked about the Patriots aren't competing this year by any means. Uh, but also, if you're looking at the ground games of all of the top teams in the AFC, you're looking at the Steelers, you're looking at the Ravens, you're looking at the Chiefs, the Bills. All of these teams have outstanding rushing attacks. The Titans as well, you know, if, if they can get their heads together. Um, and, and so they all have rushing attacks that maybe they don't necessarily rely on the stretch zone run, uh, but they also just have the running back talent just to run wild over this Patriots defensive front seven, unless there are players that emerge. And I, I just don't think that we can count on it at this point in time. So, yeah, that is going to be a glaring issue for New England, and I expect them to invest heavily in players next offseason to help shore up that defensive front seven because, uh, you know, stopping the pass is obviously more important than being able to stop the run uh, from a you know statistical standpoint. But so long as teams are, you know, if they get a lead on this Patriots team and this offense cannot kind of recover, they just don't have the ability to play from behind unless it's against the winless New York Jets, then uh, the other team can just you know, get a couple score lead and then just run the ball for the rest of the game. And that's definitely going to be an issue. 
It is. However, one team you didn't mention with a strong rushing attack in the AFC is the Patriots, Rich. Oh. Um, I think this team's a good rushing team. I think Damian Harris, who was a little banged up, he took a pretty hard hit toward the end of the game. I haven't heard anything to the contrary that he says he won't be okay. Uh, I think he's a legit running back. I think Rex Burkhead is having a fantastic year. He may be one of the more underrated players of 2020 in terms of what he's able to bring to the team as a runner and a passer. Uh, they generated almost 160 yards on the ground. I think it was 158 or 159 total. And they did come from behind, Rich. They came from behind. They erased a 10-point lead, a 10-point lead to 10-point lead, no matter who has it. Uh, I think 20 unanswered points, if I remember correctly. Maybe it made 13 unanswered points, one of the two. And I thought Cam Newton looked way better than he has the past couple of weeks. Uh, we talked for the podcast, what officially the air. I think he looked pretty good against the Bills. They scored on their last – all four of their second-half possessions – Jacoby Myers, we should definitely talk about him, what a breakout game he had. While there isn't any elite talent on this team, there is some talent on this team, and they did enough to win. And I think if you are sitting here today looking back at this game, even though it was the Jets, I think there's still some reason for optimism as to what this team can do offensively. Oh, totally. And I mean, so long as the Patriots have their strength on their offensive line, uh, which they have, obviously. They have it in spades. They have, uh, you know... The fact that Michael Onwenu, their best rookie in the league, is such a reliable, immediate starter on the offensive line has allowed them to overcome so many injuries. Shaq Mason is playing like one of the top guards in the league again. Andrews has been solid. Isaiah Wynn has been solid. Joe Tooney has been solid. So long as that unit is playing well enough, as you said, this team will have a great rushing attack. And you know what? They rank second in the league in uh, you know rushing attempts, fourth in yards, sixth in yards per attempt. They are a very reliable rushing attack unit, uh, also led by Cam Newton, who just continues to score on the ground, even if he's not scoring on the air. Uh, so they do have a high-quality grouping on the ground, and they can do that. But yeah, I mean, I I think when you say there's no real superstars at the receiver position, because I think that they do have about the offensive line grouping, what do you make of Jacoby Myers' outing against this Jets team? I mean, look, 12 grabs for 169 yards on his 24th birthday, it's not a bad way to ring it in. Uh, you know, he was the guy. He was basically their entire offense. You know, the Patriots generated 274 yards on the ground, and 170 of them were one player. Uh you know, and the a big one was that that 32 or 33 yard Demir Bird run, uh, catch and run. So he was basically the entire offense through the air, and the fact that he was able to do that, I really think that bodes well. Like, I don't think he's a number one receiver. I don't think he's built that way. I think he's still got some things to learn. There were at least two or three scenarios uh, on the game Monday night where he caught the ball with first down yardage and then ran backwards to try and get another big play in. Then he got stopped behind the line behind the first down marker. But for a second-year guy who was undrafted, who was kind of that preseason darling last season, who didn't really do much in the actual season, he's basically been one of two consistent bright spots on this team with the Damian Harris. And so what I'm really hoping happens, Rich, is Julian Edelman can get off the IR with his knee better to a point where he's much more of a contributor. And Nikhil Harry can come back and finally start living up to that first-round draft stock that the Patriots gave him. And if Jacoby Myers can settle in as the number two, maybe number three receiver, I think a Harry Myers, Edelman, Burkhead slash James White receiving core like is pretty serviceable. Oh, I totally agree. I mean, I think that, uh, yeah, once everything gets balanced out on offense and people get shuffled back down, 
this unit has the talent. We've known that from the beginning of the season. It's about will they be able to get there on time uh, or at the same time. And at the beginning of the year, we were like, all right, who is going to emerge as that reliable other option at receiver so Edelman isn't always just going to be bracketed and then Cam Newton's not going to have anyone else to target. And it looks like Myers is going to be that guy. Like, I, I, I truly think that this is, uh, yeah, maybe he's not necessarily a number one guy at this point in time, but he's averaging 90 yards a game over the past three weeks. You know, he, he's only been starting really for three weeks at this point, and he's had over 280 yards, uh, you know, 60 yards against the 49ers, 58 against the Bills. He's become Ken Newton's safety blanket. I, I think that that's a really good indicator for, okay, He's succeeding right now without a lot of other players in this offense from a receiving standpoint. Perhaps once Edelman returns, you know, if he returns, Myers and Edelman can be, you know, the 1A, 1B sort of options in this offense, and Bird can slide back down to a number three spot. And that trickle-down effect will just really benefit everyone else. Maybe, you know what, they need to find something else for Nikhil Harry because he's just not really succeeding at wide receiver for the Patriots. Maybe they can move him as, like, that big slot kind of option. I think that might be where he would succeed, get him some matchups against linebackers because he's just not getting separation against uh, defensive backs. So I, I think that they need to find another role for him. And you know what? The Patriots don't really have any tight ends at this point in time, so perhaps that's where Harry should be focusing his attention on, on growing as a player. Uh, but I, I think that Myers' emergence is both a really good indicator for this season as well as for the future because Edelman is going to be, you know, too old to be relied upon in subsequent years. And it's nice to have a player like Myers that you can point to and say, okay, there's at least one piece of this offense as a receiver that's going to be good. For sure, man. And obviously you can't really talk about the receivers emerging and how successful they are without talking about the quarterback as well. Uh, Cam Newton was a massive, wonderful surprise. Then he got coronavirus and he's never really been the same since. Uh, I thought he looked pretty good against the Jets. Again, it was the Jets, as I mentioned, but I mean, I think he still looked pretty good. His stat line isn't horrible at all. Uh, 274 yards. He ran for, for two touchdowns. Um, I like what I saw from him. Is this kind of thing where you think it, it's like an upward trajectory between this game and the Buffalo game? Or was it the Buffalo game kind of indicative of, well, he couldn't quite finish the drive and this was just the Jets? So I mean, how optimistic or pessimistic aren't you, basically, <laughs> on what you've seen from Cam Newton these past couple weeks? Yeah, I mean, okay, so my thought with Cam Newton is that at his best, he is a top-ten quarterback. And I think the way that he performed against this Jets team he was roughly around that 10 to 15 mark. You know, like you can compete in the NFL if you have a guy who on his best day can put up a top 10 performance. Um, on his worst days, which we saw against the Broncos, which we saw against the 49ers, which in my mind, I, I point absolutely at his returning from COVID, his, like just having a real detriment on his fundamentals, his ability to diagnose the field and just him getting his football feet back. Uh when he's doing that, he's playing at a replacement level. So that's kind of where his ups and downs are. I think what we saw in the second half against the Bills is a player who finally got his football legs back a bit. Um, I, I don't know if necessarily he uh, is going to be that consistent top 10 quarterback that we were hoping for at the beginning of the year. But honestly, other than that Seahawks game, uh, who have the worst passing defense in NFL history at this point in time, uh, and then this game against the Jets, he's kind of been this, you know, roughly 160, 180 passing yards, maybe a touchdown, but more likely to have a rushing touchdown or two. Uh, that's going to be his performance. He, he's going to 
try to control the drives, extend drives on third down with his legs, and just try to keep the offense on schedule so they can punch it in on the ground in the red zone. And, and I think so long as he can do that, uh, he's going to be the adequate type of quarterback that they need in this offense. Um, but, I mean, if he's able to perform like he did against the Jets, against other teams, I mean, this Patriots team, they're, I mean, they're obviously not going to compete, but they might be fighting for it towards the end of the year to make it to the postseason as one of those wild card spots. Yeah, I mean, the NFL just approved an extra playoff slot in case some games get canceled this year due to coronavirus or whatnot. So there's definitely a chance the Patriots could sneak in. Uh, I guess the question is, you know, this is a ever and never ending debate is would you rather your team make the playoffs and lose or just not make the playoffs, help your draft spot? Obviously, as Patriots fans, we're pretty spoiled. Uh, there's a very large number of NFL teams that just want to play off appearance. That's all they want to do. They want to go and they want one extra game of football and a playoff win would be an amazing season for them. And maybe recalibrating your expectations a bit is really important for a, a fair faction of Patriots fans who just don't really know what it's like otherwise. Look, I, I think there's always, even when they're they're looking terrible, there's always some bright spots. There are always some areas to be happy about. And I do think there are some pieces in place for a, a decent, maybe not nasty, dynastic team going forward because we're never going to see that again. But I think there's reason to be happy that the Patriots are building towards this this next season. And honestly, man, if there was ever a year to rebuild your team, take some losses, experiment with some packages and some players, and just let things kind of fall where they may, it this year because everybody is all topsy-turvy. Players are going on the COVID list. They're coming off the COVID list. No one's at full strength. And this season is going to have an asterisk on it regardless. Not to take away from whoever went to Super Bowl this year. It's still a legitimate and well-earned win. But no one's really playing the way they should be playing this year for a lot of circumstances. And I think the Patriots are kind of rolling with it as best they can. And if you can just finish the season intact with some healthy players, with some positive moves towards next season, I think you're going to be in really good shape. And of all the years to kind of lose and come into 2021 with a pretty high draft pick, I like it. You know, it's, I, I don't want to sit here and say Bill Belichick saw coronavirus coming a long time ago because he's not that good. But... <laughs> I think he knows that this season is kind of a bust in a lot of ways, and this is a great season to just kind of press the reset button. And they're doing that, and the guys that are emerging are emerging, and the guys that aren't aren't, and we're going to move forward as best we can. Oh, totally. I agree. And I, I mean, I think that the need to tank for that number one over spot is a little overblown because, oh. yeah, sure, you'll have the likelihood to choose the best possible quarterback prospect. But you don't need to have that first overall pick to get a good quarterback. There's many different ways to do it. And you look at who are the best quarterbacks in the league. And, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes, mid-first. Aaron Rodgers, late-first. Russell Wilson, third-round. Tannehill, free agent. Dak Prescott, fourth-round. Deshaun Watson, mid-first round. Those are the, you know, the top six quarterbacks in the league right now. Kyler Murray has been electric. He was the first overall pick. But then you add in Justin Herbert, Josh Allen. Those are, you know late top 10 picks right there so that's right where where the the Patriots are kind of picking and it's so much about okay you have a quarterback talent how do you fit an offense to match that and the, yeah the number one overall pick might become transcendent to that you know you might have an Andrew Luck who no matter what you put out there he's going to succeed but it's so much more about can you tailor an offense to match the strengths of this player and getting an early draft pick allows you to find a player that has more strengths that gives you more flexibility to, to tailor things but I think that 
I am very happy if the Patriots follow kind of the Miami Dolphins model that they've been doing under Brian Flores, where, you know what, last year they started the season off with one of the worst teams in NFL history. They turned it around, middle of the season, they started to compete a little bit, and then they started to win at the end of it. And now they're on pace, uh, you know, they're, they're in second place in the division. They just won a really great game against the Arizona Cardinals. They have a very bright future. And I think a lot of that was the culture that they instilled last season, where it's like, you know what, we're not going to fight for that number one overall pick there's no point in doing that we're going to try and win this because we think we can and I think that's what the Patriots are doing that's why they absolutely retained Devin McCourty they brought back a lot of these veterans is that you know what they think they can instill a good culture to transition from that you know that that culture with Tom Brady to whoever the next quarterback is just think of you know the Patriots between 2000 and you know seven and 2014 when it was Gerard Mayo and Vince Wilfork, which were the two defensive players that were kind of the bridge from uh, Rodney Harrison to, you know, whoever the new leadership, Dante Hightower, is in that defensive spot. I think that that's what they're looking for here, is trying to have some sort of consistency in culture for the rest of this year so that when they come to next season, they're not starting from scratch with, okay, what does Patriots football looks like? You mentioned the Miami Dolphins, Rich. This is a good a place I need to close by asking you a way premature, fairly ridiculous question. Uh, one thing I love the Dolphins did is they retained Ryan Fitzpatrick. They started him the first couple of weeks. They gave Tua an opportunity to settle a little bit and learn an NFL offense. I think it's better if you can go a full season, but sometimes you can't. And then they swapped out Fitzpatrick for Tua, and they seem to be going with him going forward, and he's their guy. I think just throwing a quarterback in as a rookie in week one is a very precarious situation, and it works out way less often than it fails. So um, so do you think there's any scenario, Rich, where if the Patriots draft a quarterback in the second, late first, wherever round next year, Cam Newton is the starter early 2021, and they transition away from him as the season goes on with their new guy, or are they just going to kind of go say screw it and throw a new guy in? Put on your, uh, your Nostradamus hat and tell me what's going to happen. I mean, I think it comes down to dollar and cents. I think at this point, Cam Newton is playing at a level that absolutely the Patriots would be able to retain him for a team-friendly price. And you know what? If he's able to be that game manager type quarterback, then that's fine. You know, he, if, when he is playing like he was against the Jets, like he was late against the Bills, he is a league average quarterback, which is solid. You know, you, you could try and start over by bringing in a Ryan Fitzpatrick to do that sort of mentorship transition role again. But I think Cam Newton at this point, he's like, you know what? It's not necessarily about. Uh, the money at this point so you know he could join that middle class of quarterbacks in the NFL that is almost non-existent where you're not paying them record-setting historic money uh, and he can play that role and honestly uh, he has been doing as best as he can with just a decrepit offense <laughs> with the Patriots right like, he, he doesn't have any receivers so we don't actually know how good is Cam Newton with his possibilities here and so give him another full like real off season with the Patriots he was a late season signing, get a full off season with the Patriots, get some actual skill players around him uh, because the Patriots will have the most cap space in the league so they can give him some talent and yeah, draft a quarterback early on. So you're prepared in case Cam Newton has shown that, you know what, this is actually the best you're going to get. But I, I think that you give Cam Newton every opportunity to win and retain that starting job to hold off his replacement. Um, but you just try to get as much talent as you can in the building. So, I mean, I, I think that it would make sense for the Patriots to retain Cam Newton. It would make sense for them to draft a quarterback early. And it would make sense to allow them to both 
compete where, you know what, Bill Belichick has no problem turning the keys over to a young player if he's outplaying his former number one overall pick. So I, I think that is where the Patriots would go. And Cam Newton knows that. He knows that he will get benched if someone behind him is playing better. And that's just not the case this season. But you know what, next year, why not? Now you've got me thinking there's a chance the Patriots draft a quarterback and bring in Ryan Fitzpatrick for a couple of weeks. So now I'm going to spend the entire rest of this season and all of the offseason waiting for Fitzpatrick to come to the Patriots <laughs> to make an entire AFC East tour complete. So thanks a lot for that. You're welcome. You're welcome. I mean, it's going to uh, – it's honestly not – a uh, non-possible choice. You know, I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick is uh, going to be a free agent. Why not do that? Uh, if if you're looking for who is going to be the best possible person to do that transition, I would say that Cam Newton would be a better option than Ryan Fitzpatrick. But you know what? Fitzpatrick had the Dolphins competing this year. So why not? And I think that the Patriots can uh, really just count on whichever veteran they have. I just hope it's not Brian Hoyer. If it's Cam Newton, that's great. I, I'm actually kind of like leaning towards that. They have a good opportunity to get a good quarterback that's not Trevor Lawrence, right? I think Justin Fields is great out of Ohio State. Trey Lance has a lot of upside. Uh, you, you have some other good quarterback prospects that might be available in the late first, early second round. And I, I think that there might be some surprise quarterbacks that show up in free agency that might be worth kicking the tires on and maybe hope to have a Ryan Tannehill-esque revival in New England. Man, would that be sweet. Well, the good news is another very winnable game coming up on Sunday night against the hapless Baltimore Ravens. So uh, even though the, the, the Patriots looked, looked great against the Jets, uh, we'll be able to see them dominate the Ravens yet again this Sunday night because those two teams are pretty equal in skill level. So we'll know a lot more on Monday morning. Oh, yeah, totally, totally. And we'll uh, have a lot to break down uh, heading into that week. The Patriots, you know, are kind of in a do-or-die sort of situation for the rest of the season. At this point, uh, you know, they, they are a couple of games back at 3-5. and five. They've lost their game to the Broncos, so the Broncos have that tiebreaker. But you have the Raiders, the Dolphins, the Browns, and the Colts all sitting at 5-3. and three. So the Patriots will have to really uh, play well for the rest of the year to even consider getting one of those last playoff spots. This game against the Ravens is going to be no walk in the park. The Ravens are 6-2. and two. Uh, They've been very competitive this year, even though... Um, uh, Lamar Jackson is not playing at his MVP level. They've just lost to the Chiefs and the Steelers, who are, you know, Team 1, Team 1B for best teams in the AFC. So they are still a very talented squad. Patriots are going to have their hands full, and we're going to break that down later in the week. Uh, Alec, do you have any final thoughts, though, on this Week 9 of the NFL season? I never thought I'd hear myself say this, but it's good to finally get a win. Oof. Oof, oof. Well, that's absolutely true. Uh, and until next time, Alec, you have a good one. You too, buddy. See ya. Later, man.